0: Well, I trust that 600 kids don't turn up to Sunday school today. If they do, the bikers have a problem. They won't have enough hot dogs, you know that? But uh, there are a few more today than there were last Sunday by the looks of things. And hot dogs are an attraction, aren't they? But um, let's just pray we have enough for today. God bless you. The Word of God, as we look at it this morning, we've been looking at issues that face the Church of Jesus Christ. And uh, one of the issues, I do believe, is the Church is getting old. It tries to operate on the old things of the past. Uh, it's getting old. When you get old, what happens to you? You get a little weaker, don't you? Uh, it takes a little longer, doesn't it? Yeah, you know if you're 73 now, don't you? Good, that's it. But we don't want to get old, do we? We want to, we want to stay rejuvenated. Yes. So we have to have that reencounter with God each day through His Word in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to go to a passage of Scripture in Zechariah chapter 3, It's going to be the illustration for us today when Zechariah, with his contemporary Haggai, they were together, but he brings a message about the spiritual state. We're worried that's an issue in the church today. Is not only the worldliness, but the spiritual state of the nation, the spiritual state of the church. You can measure the spiritual state of the nation by the spiritual state of the church. And I believe this morning as we read together, we'll have two readings, one from Zechariah 3 and then a few verses from Colossians chapter 1. Is God doing anything in His church? Is He alive? Is He accomplishing His purpose? Or do the issues of the pagan and the ancestral worshipper... Are they influencing the body of Christ to such a way that we can't tell the difference between us and the world out there? We come to Zechariah chapter 3 and we see that God, in His goodness and greatness, is going to give Israel a message. Then He's talking to um, Zechariah, or through Zechariah, and He says, Then He showed me Joshua, Yeshua. That means He is the high priest, that's His name standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at the right hand to oppose him. Now that scene is quite prevalent in Scripture. On two or three occasions it's mentioned and uh, that Satan enters the presence of God and he has something to say. I've got some news for you today. Sometimes Satan tells the truth. He tells the truth about you and me. You know that? He's the biggest liar on earth. He lies about God but he comes to God and he says have you seen your child have you seen your child he tells the truth we didn't know that did we but he's standing there in the presence of God and Zechariah who has the vision sees this it's about the state the spiritual state of Israel but it could be the state of our hearts too and the Lord said to Satan notice how God deals with Satan the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now, Yeshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Yeshua is the high, is the high priest who represents the nation before God spiritually at that time. And he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my command, then you shall also judge my house, and likewise have charge over my courts. I will give you a place to walk among these who stand here. Hear, O Yeshua, the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch, which is Jesus Christ. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Yeshua, upon the stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its inscription, says the Lord of hosts. And I will remove the iniquity of the land in one day. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. When we look together, it says this, in the second verse, is not this the brand plucked from the burning or plucked from the fire? As we put that together, we go over to the book of Colossians and we're going to look at a few verses there. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. Jesus Christ is our deliverer. Who is he? Our He's our deliverer. And verse 13 says, as we put it into context here, Paul writing to the Colossian Christians, he highlights who Jesus is, but he says, "He, his work, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven that are on the earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created through him and for him and then we've got to go to chapter 2 and verse 13. Just a little bit we'll pick it all up as we go along and he's writing once again and he says he talks to the colossian christians and he says and you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcised of your flesh he has made you alive together with him having forgiven you all your trespasses having wiped out the handwriting and requirement that was against us which was contrary to us and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to his cross having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it and then we go to first john chapter 3 and verse 8 first john chapter 3 and verse 8 he who sins is e- is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning for this purpose the son of god was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Putting things into perspective then this morning, let's go back to the, bl- to the brand plucked from the burning, or the brand plucked from the fire. If we look at it together today, my thesis many years ago was on John Wesley. And when I look at the man John Wesley, I begin to realize that God had had his hand on John Wesley from the time of his mother's womb. Well, Samuel Wesley had nine children. And that family prayed, blessed the Lord, went to bed that night as they normally did. But in the early hours of the morning in the 18th century, the parsonage, or the pastor's house, was on fire. All the children managed to come outside and the fire brigade eventually came. But as they looked up, John Wesley's mother said, there's still one missing. I have nine children, not eight. And she looked up and as she looked onto the second floor, there stood John Wesley in the window, the fire beginning to rage, to get closer and closer. The firemen scrambled and went up to try to fetch him. They couldn't. So they moved closer to the, to the, on the ground and they sit, beckoned to him to open the window, which he did. And they told him to jump. And this little boy of seven, he jumped out the window and they, they grabbed him. Mrs. Wesley was so overcome that the verse that came to her heart was this one. He's a, he's a brand <coughs> plucked from the burning." And she 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 wondered, what purpose does God have for this boy? Well, you know John Wesley, one of the greatest revivalists of time, <coughs> preached on two continents. Was a great preacher of the Word of God, brought many to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he himself came to that personal encounter. With jesus through romans the book of romans chapter 8 there he came to a personal experience of christ my brothers and sisters when i look at this i begin to see god in his deliverance is a god who delivers men and women not just to set them free but he delivers them for a purpose he has a purpose for them not only john wesley if you go back into the old testament i'm giving you some illustrations of this you go to moses He's in a basket on the River Nile. he being watched by his sister. And what, they, what are they doing? They're slaughtering every, every newborn baby. But God has His hand on Moses. You see, when God has His hand on someone, nobody can remove that hand. Amen. And when God has His hand on you, you must believe this. Nobody can remove His hand. Amen. The purpose is this. As Moses... Proceeded. oh he lay in that cradle in that river we understand one simple thing that God rescued him he was taken from there to the palace looked after by his own mother and sister but there came a day when he left the palace went to the backside of the desert and became a shepherd and then Moses never imitated God he burned out for God. In that moment, when you look at him, he looks at the burning bush and he can't help but ask the question, Who are you? Because a voice had told him and called his name, I am. Moses was face to face with the everlasting, almighty, eternal God. Moses has an encounter with God why does God encounter him because God has a greater purpose for him and brothers and sisters you and I need to wake up to the fact today that God has a purpose for plucking you out of the sinful world taking you out of the burning because he knows all things in his foreknowledge he knows that if you continue in your sin, you'll go to the burning, won't you? But He's plucking you out through salvation before that burning so that you can be what? You can be useful to Him in this present day. So, beloved, we look together and we know this. God, who is the great I Am, is present with Him. Do you know that God is with you? But more than that, He wants to be living in you and living His, his life through you. If you look at elijah and elisha for just a moment as we illustrate the point it was said of elijah who is the god of elijah who is the god now you've got to know who god is before you can worship god truly in truth and in spirit well the people asked that way on mount carmel who is god who is the God of Elijah? Has anybody ever asked you, Who is the God of Raphael? Who is the God of Mary? They want to know who your God is. You must be evident. He must be evident in your daily walk and daily life. That's the way you live to honor Him. Amen. 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 He's not just a bygone on a Sunday. Something I visit, something I come and do here. No, he, He's everything. He is all that I live for Amen. each and every day beloved as you and i put this together we notice that elijah on that mount alone who is the god of elijah he's the god in the wind and the fire he's the god who comes to visit israel who still don't quite recognize all that that he is but he comes down and consumes the sacrifice that's who he is god is a consuming fire don't forget he's a god of judgment he's a god of justice and he will see it through. But the point I want to make here this morning is the people did not know. If you don't know, you can't worship. If you don't know, you can't be the kind of person God wants you to be. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And so there comes a time in 2 Kings 2.14 when God's going to take Elijah home and he has a a, a, a protege by the name of Elisha. They come to the jordan and the prophets are saying to him not only who is the god of elijah but there at the river where is the god of elijah you see elijah had been taken into heaven elisha wants to cross the river now now where is the god of elijah in other words He did it for them. He did it for others. He did it through Elijah. Would he ever do it through me, Elisha? (laughs) That's what you need to look at here. We often read the Bible. Oh, well, he did it for them. Wonderful, great. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And you leave yourself out. Could I ever have such an encounter with God? No, no, no. It was for the greats haven't you got a great salvation haven't you got a great savior who's about to take you through the jordan take you right over it and in a moment when he takes the mantle and he strikes the river the god of elijah who is present who is is always is amen is the god who is there and he walks through in other words Can the same God do miracles in my life? Can He open the way? Well, He says in this chapter that He's about to do that. When you know the presence, you must know His power. Amen? When you know His presence. You see, when you come to church and you come to worship, that's just one hour in your life per week. But what do you want to know here? You want to know His presence. But if your mind is far away, if your heart is not in it, if you haven't desired his presence or his person how in all the world can God act in power in your life what is the greatest need that man has is to be set free from that kind of thinking and so when you know his presence you know his power God was there and Elisha encountered him you and I can encounter God don't come to church and say I'm just going to have a service we're gonna go through the program we're going to encounter god that's the difference when you walk out of here people will say they have been with the lord amen Amen. that's the difference you say is that is the church like we mentioned a little while ago is the church a little bit senile in other words we've got a little bit stiff you know we we own what we own it's ours not too many people here you see pastor because we put all this up and uh, after all That's what we look for. That's what God did for us. We want people to know that. Now this building and everything to it is nearly 40 years old. But it's not going to do anything for anybody. We need to open it up. We need to invite the people in. We need to get rid of our stiffness. Amen? Amen. And we need to say everybody's welcome into the presence of the Lord. Well, with stiffness comes weakness. (laughs) You can't move quickly when when you're stiff, can you? I know I walked from Joburg to Pretoria once in a race. Couldn't get out of bed the next morning, but I couldn't understand why. Why couldn't I get out of bed? Well, you just walked nearly 52 Ks. You can't just do that every day, can you? No, you can't. You get a little bit weak. So the sign of old age when it creeps into the church is a problem. We want to do old methods, old style. Do we have a great old religion? Oh yes, we do. But listen to me. This religion is alive. This relationship is alive. We talk about a relationship that is with a living God who is ever-present right now in His eternalness and greatness. Amen? Amen? And so the sign is this. We don't want to get weak. We don't want to go back on yesterday's blessings and say, Oh, remember what God did. Of course we do. But you can't just have that experience of the past. You will then live in the past and not the present. What about if you notice, old people like me? We talk a lot more, <laughs> don't we? We'll just talk and talk and talk because we love talking. We've got so much experience we ought to put it all into one sentence. And that's what the church does very often. In its aging, it's just talking. It's not living anymore. It's not alive anymore. It's not part of a new experience. And beloved. I want to appeal to you this morning, we're always, as we look together, we're always talking, but we have this tendency to talk a lot and do absolutely nothing. How long are you going to sit there and just be spoken to, or speak and speak and speak? You need to get up and do something. You need to have that encounter with God, which is motivation to what? To doing what God wants you to do. I have a purpose, Pastor. When I leave here this morning, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to make Him known in my place of work. That sign of weakness in the church. If we live in the past, the past will overtake us. We live now to encounter God today. He is the all-sufficient, everlasting, living God amongst us. Is He still that? Amen? Yes, He is. You see, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ is the God who who is working in our midst today. Are we ready then for this encounter in Jesus Christ? Well, let's go back to Zechariah here for a moment. Does he have an encounter? Through a vision, which he says God gave him right in the beginning of Zechariah, he has a vision And the one thing he sees about the nation of Israel, it's the message to Israel is this. They need to return to God. You want to come out of the past and into the present? You want to come out of the past and encounter God? You've got to come out of the past by by doing one thing. Return to God. Not to the program. Not to the new uh, uh, thing that's happening in in Christianity, so-called. We need to come back to the God of Christianity. Because He's the one who motivates us. He's the one who will lead us and guide us in our ways and Zechariah's vision that God would work with his people now there were two types of people here There were those who lived in Jerusalem old Jerusalem they'd been there they weren't taken into captivity then there were those who were taken into captivity and under Zerubbabel and Nehemiah they returned to Jerusalem now it's the returning Jews or people of God that were the slight problem. Because you see, they had no example of worship. They had no example of how God's people came together in fellowship. They didn't have it. They got there and there was just a little bit of stirring amongst them. And God has to send them a message. He said, You don't just come back to a city, you don't just come back to a set of cultural law. I want you to come back to me now if they didn't have an example they'd come out of bondage they were let's say weak they were those who would think back of the past many of them were born in Babylon they knew nothing about the new life that they'd come to uh, in Jerusalem when we understand them we realize this that God knows the need in their hearts you might look up this morning and say, I, I, wonder, I wonder what my problem is. I don't worry about your problem. God knows your need. And your need is this. Return to me. Come back to me. You see, I created you. I love you. I have a plan and I have a purpose for your life. Which is not for time alone, but for all eternity. That's important. You say, oh, but I messed up. My life's in bondage. I I need deliverance from this and that and the next thing. That's okay. Just come back to God. That's the important thing here. So that your, your way of life will change. It'll become a way of righteousness. It'll become a way of truth. It'll become a life that contributes, not just takes from society. Beloved, as we look at it together, it'll be a life that worships God. It'll be a life that is lived as a cleansed life. Now... If we look, that's what comes from returning to God. If we look at the passage we've just read, it's going to be the illustration, as I said this morning. We have a courtroom scene. And the first part of the scene is this there's the accused and Yeshua, the high priest. It's not the Joshua of the Old Testament who led the children of Israel. This is the high priest. He stands before God, and in the vision, Zechariah sees. The mitre and the the garments. And they should be pure white and beautiful colored. But they're filthy. They're dirty. So he's the accused before who? Zechariah sees him standing before almighty God in heaven. But there is the public prosecutor. Satan himself and he is the accuser of the brethren and what does he do he's going to tell the truth about god's people they're filthy before you look at his garments and he represents you before your throne look at them now it wasn't joshua or yeshua's personal sin It's pictured there as the sin of the nation, as the sin of the nation. Doesn't God watch over the nations? Of course He does. Isn't He aware that they should return to Him desperately at a time in which we're living? And it's not only America, it's South Africa, more than America, needs to return to God. Why? Because He knows our condition. But will we admit the condition that we're in? God shows Zechariah and He says to him, Return, even though the circumstances are difficult and the test of your faith is there. You need something only I can give you. A cleansing. I love the way it's addressed here. You see, God is the final judge. Let me go through it again. Joshua is the accused. Satan is the prosecutor. But God is the final judge. Praise His name. Amen. Amen. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, Satan, standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. God has authority over the father of lies. He has authority over the one who seeks to destroy you. He has an answer for your life this morning. What does he say? If the Lord rebuke you, now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel and he answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying take away the filthy garments from him and to him he said i see i have removed your iniquity from you and i will clothe you with rich robe what does he say i'm going to remove your sin which only god can do the new testament parallel to this is when the pharisees confronted jesus after he healed the paralytic He was going to heal him and he said what's easier who can forgive sins Only God can forgive sins. They acknowledge that. But, oh, Jesus knew. He was the the only one who could forgive sin. He was the, 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 the Redeemer. He was the Savior. He still is. But let me remind you today. We may know it, but not experience it. We may know God can do that, but not be forgiven ourselves. So let me remind you today. Return to God amidst the difficulty and trial of your own faith. Because sometimes we sin when we don't trust God. We sin by not returning to His answer even in our home situations. We need to trust Him. Yes. And, and, and you need to ask for a cleansing. Now I might be a little bit heretical this morning. I do believe you need a cleansing before you can have a repenting. What, what do you need to do? Honestly face your sin and call it sin. That leads to what? Once He has cleansed, given them new new robes, he will do what? You, you will experience a repentance. A change of mind. A change of heart and attitude. A turning away from your sin. And a turning to God Almighty. The adversary remains your accuser. What will he do? He will stand there and take advantage. Because you live in the past. The past. The past. Oh, woe is me of the past. Don't look at your past look at your future amen. don't look at your past look at your savior <coughs> look at the condition he's put you into he's cleansed you he's cleaned those filthy garments amen, amen. he's given you new ones of righteousness of truth as you stand honestly before him with a repentant attitude you will know one more thing you will know his forgiveness amen, amen. now that's the wonder Of God's salvation and mercy. Ah. But if you stay in the past. What does Satan do? He very often does this to believers as well. He pulls out something from the past. And reminds you in the early hours of the morning. Remember when you were this. Remember when you were that. How can you go on doing what you do? How can you go on giving a testimony? When you did this and did that. And he reminds you. And the guilt and the shame. Almost crawl over you. Well, you need to remind him of something jesus is your deliverer amen, amen. you see joshua's sin defiled the nation but the lord rebuked the devil because that wasn't the, the end of it that wasn't the destruction of them god was going to intervene god's remedy was to cleanse the high priest and restore the relationship aren't you happy about that yes through repentance through confession then there came a fresh cleansing again of the heart I'm sure years ago you saw the ad it's a little bit in the past and it used to advertise this washing powder called punch you remember punch you've experienced a punch haven't you okay and it used to say good and clean and fresh only punch is good and clean and fresh it takes out the darkest and the dirtiest stain. remember punch well that's what God in Jesus offers us a removing of the stain what is the stain my shame what is the stain what my sin has caused brother and sister when God gave the high priest a new turban a new mitre he put it all over him he was absolutely in clean garments given by God. What garments would they be? The garment of righteousness. The, not only the right way of living, but the very quality of life was righteousness before God. Now, today, very often, church religion passes as Christianity. And people appear to be forgiven. They appear to be cleansed. They appear to be a repentant people. But the issue today is, they don't live like that because they're not that it's a pretending religion and, and God speaks to us again uh, through Ezekiel you see him there by the river Cheba and oh, well, we sat down and what does he say right there at the river Cheba he has an experience he has a revelation of God, read the whole book of Ezekiel it sounds crazy, wheels within wheels but what he's really saying is this I had an experience with God. In all this trial and tribulation, with all this iniquity in my life, it was only God who could intervene. Ezekiel is saying, I've had an encounter with God who's dealt with my deepest need. Of course, they were in Babylon. What about David? David in his darkest hour of need, be still and know that I am God. Then you go on to Elijah. God was still the still small voice. Remember, he ran away. and He saw the wind and he saw the fire. God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the storm. But the still small voice speaks to Elijah. Where is God? He's in the still small voice that speaks to you and I through conviction. Through the word of God. When you read it, don't ignore it. When you read it, don't say it's for my brother, not for me. It's for you. When the still small voice is there, it's God's voice to your soul. I gave a Bible to a man in prison some years ago. A few weeks later, I came back and he had the Bible. I'm hoping he'll be here some days. It's just been released. And this is what he said. Pastor Willie, the Bible is the voice of God to my soul. Blessed be God. God is still speaking. God is still wooing His children. God wants them back more than they want to come back. Yes. And I believe this morning with all my heart, as you and I look at it, we encountered God through His Word, by faith. And what do we encounter? Deliverance. He's the same God who delivered His people here in Zechariah, who can deliver you and, and me. We finish off today by do- looking at Three things from the book of Colossians, hoping that it's in line with what we've been saying this morning, because it's important to understand that God has delivered us. Is the Bible Colossians uh, chapter one and verse thirteen? Uh, Colossians. There we go. Colossians one verse thirteen says this: He has delivered us. From the power of darkness and covered us or conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. What has God done here in Jesus Christ? Remember, we're not in the past now. We're not at the River Cheba. We're not walking through the desert anymore. But God still has people who speak into your life. He still has the word through whom those people minister to you every day. He still speaks by His Spirit into your life. To do what? To bring you and I to the place where we can encounter him and return to him. But this is what God has done according to the book of Colossians. Paul writing says, Yet he has delivered us from the power of darkness. That little word is strong. Because he said, You see, once you were exiled, the same idea is used. Once you were exiled in a foreign land, but I translated you all. I delivered you, I set you free from that to come back to where you should be. I'm speaking to you this morning out of God's word. You've got to come back to God as an exile. He's releasing you into His freedom. That's deliverance. Amen. Amen. Well, come with me. And notice this, Colossians 1.13 says, He delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us who were slaves with a price on our heads, exiles in a foreign country in sin and in bondage, but he set us free. My brothers and sisters, we talk of none other than Jesus Christ himself here. The the next verse says, says this, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin where would he take us if he took us out of the situation took us took me out of my sin into the kingdom of the son of his love wow that's where he wants us to be and beloved if we look at that we we've got to understand how did he deliver us by what power by what authority am i delivered got to look at two things firstly he has redeemed us. I have redemption. What is redemption? Redemption is when you have a price over your head or you were a slave. A slave, you were, you were what? You had a debt over your life which you couldn't pay. What does he do? He comes up and he he meets the need. He presents the price in full. When that price is paid, You are set free. You are redeemed. Amen. I want you to stop for a moment. Do you realize that? My deliverance is based not only on the preacher's prayer, not only on emotion, but my deliverance is based on God's redemption through Jesus Christ. He paid the price. My friend, I couldn't pay the price. My religion can demand the price, I don't have it to give. But God supplied the money, as it were. He supplied and he set me free, the ransom money, the redemption money set me free. Amen? Amen? Do you realize that today? Your redemption is based on what God did by providing the price. For your soul all right so the second thing I want us to notice is, is this in whom we have redemption through what through his blood that's the price that is paid it's not some good work that Jesus came to do only Mahatma Gandhi honored Jesus Christ powerfully uh, he by following his teachings But he would never accept what Jesus Christ actually did by dying for him on the cross. Therefore, he couldn't be redeemed. He couldn't be delivered from his bondage. He couldn't be set free, because he didn't believe that the blood of Jesus would cleanse him from all sin. He believed in all the good things Jesus taught, but he didn't believe in the finished work of Christ for him. Today, as we share together, we notice here that the price was for the penalty. Why was I a slave? Why were they taken into Babylon? Let's go there quickly. Because of their stubborn sinfulness. Why is it that we then need to return and come back to God? Is because of our sinfulness. How can God take care of our sinfulness? Through His precious blood that means sacrifice for you and me and it's true that Jesus came when he delivered us he delivered himself as the sacrifice are you to stop and tell me any religion of the world and some of you represent other religions even ancestral worship is there a sacrifice far greater than that of the Son of God no goat no lamb can be greater than the sacrifice of the blood of the lamb of god Amen. brothers and sisters as we share that together this morning we will notice that there comes with a price the freedom not the freedom to do as you please but the freedom to do what god wants you to do galatians chapter six and verse five says this sorry five verse one i stand therefore in the freedom wherewith christ has made me free i'm free for the first time to do what god wants me to to do secondly notice this that in verse 14 we we have this saying here in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins you couldn't have forgiveness of sins unless the blood had been shed i've got to tell you again this morning the blood has been shed for you the price has been paid for you deliverance is yours in jesus name yes Deliverance from sin. So, what should come out of my mouth next? Confession. Confession comes before cleansing, right? I need to confess my sin, facing my sin as it is. First John one verse nine. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us, and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you got to the place where you're able to confess, then you're on the road to. Experience deliverance from sin. Now, of course, there are other uh, aspects of deliverance, but this morning this is the basis. To be cleansed, you've got to be forgiven. And you can only know your forgiveness. There's only one forgiveness as you return to God. It's based on what God did in Christ. Amen? Amen setting us free, delivering us from the guilt of the past, don't live in it Satan will punish you with the past, you need to get rid of that which you did in the past and let Jesus take it back once again upon himself, Jesus is my deliverer oh the peace and joy that comes from the forgiveness of sins. do you know forgiveness? Jesus said to to the woman who anointed his feet and washed it with her hair. Daughter, your sins which are many have all, all been forgiven. Past, present and future. Your sins have all been forgiven. It's hard to receive that. It's hard to believe that. But you're dealing with God in these moments. He is able to reassure you of that. Then, secondly, I want us to notice here, If he delivers us from the power of darkness when when did he do that when he died upon the cross my god my god why have you forsaken me he won the moment of being able to give himself not a dead but a living sacrifice for our redemption secondly what did he do on that cross he destroyed the works of the devil first john chapter 3 and verse 8. He destroyed the works of the devil. Right there, Christ died. He died. He hadn't died. There'd be no redemption. If he hadn't died, we'd never know freedom. He'd never died, we'd never know cleansing. He'd never died, we'd never know the need to confess our sin to God. But brothers and sisters, he did one, or one other thing. When he died he took the sting out of death itself death died that day too because you see on the third day he rose again and he lives forevermore amen Amen. the power of the resurrection is the uniqueness of Christianity is the power that delivers you and me from the work of darkness through the work of Christ and It cleanses us and removes the stain of our sin. It removes the penalty of my sin. Now, Satan is the accuser, but Jesus is the excuser. Right? He's the excuser. He's the only one who can say, I rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. Don't you rebuke the devil. You say, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. He's out of here. Amen? He's not frightened of you. He's not even frightened of you as a Christian. But the Lord rebuke you. You've got that authority in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. And for me as a preacher, that's been the safest things, And demons flee. They won't stand at the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the conquering power of death was broken. What came as a result of that? The forgiveness of sins. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. His forgiveness of sins came. He stayed there. He died there. But oh, the glory of it is... He also rose to prove he did all that. Amen? He took back the authority. Now, I heard a preacher once preach this and he said this. When Jesus died, everybody thought it was finished. But all hell sat up. Because he went into the lower chasms of the earth. He went there and he knocked on the door of hell, the waiting place, and he said, Satan, keys of the kingdom, please. He took the keys to your life, your life, and my life. They handed over the keys of the kingdom. He took, over, took back the authority over your life and mine because he had dealt with sin, which robbed us of the authority. And, brothers and sisters, when you and I are in sin, we've just handed over to Satan. That control we've just given him. That's the problem. We need to realize that Jesus has all authority over your life and mine. And he came to destroy the power, to take back the authority. And Jesus walks out of there, comes back, I guess, to the tomb, pushes the stone away with the help of an angel, I guess, and rises right through it all and says, I'm going to put all this at the mercy seat and I put my blood on the mercy seat as the everlasting atoning work for all mankind. Amen. Amen. Deliverance for mankind had come. Finally, what did Jesus do? He disarmed, he disarmed the devil of his rights. He took away verse 15, chapter 2 and verse 15, he said this, having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it so let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival of a new moon and a sabbath he disarmed them what is it what, what does it mean he took away their rights and i believe today as general macarthur in the second world war went on to that destroyer the japanese destroyer the war had ended, the Japanese were defeated. But General MacArthur sat on that destroyer as he was marched in, and then he stood up, he went over to, to Tojo in charge of the Japanese uh, forces, and he tore off his lapels, his, his lapels. He stripped him of all authority and power and made him a nothing. And the joyful news is this. Jesus stripped Satan of any life of authority that he had. You need to know this morning, he has no authority over you. It's part of your deliverance. It's part of your freedom. Amen? And I believe this morning with all my heart, when Christ did that, it was finished, it was done, once and for all, once and forever. And Satan has been disarmed so that you and I can have our rights In Jesus Christ. You see. Sin has been broken. Confess your sin. Turn to God and repent of it. Once repentance comes. Forgiveness comes. Once there has been forgiveness. There is a cleansing. Once you have been cleansed. You know the peace of God. That passes all understanding. That can cleanse your heart and keep your heart and mind at peace with Him. One of the greatest evidences in a Christian's life is that he has peace of God because he has peace with God. Amen. Amen. You see, death has been defeated. Jesus says, I'm alive. And it's Colossians 1.21 Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? Amen. And this morning, as we come together, we're we're conscious of the need that God God has in doing what? Setting us free. He's paid it all. He's done it all. He said, as many as receive me, to those who believe on me, to them I give the right to become. If you believe, you can become that child of God. You can be set free from that drug addiction from that past thing when today that's the encounter you need with the true and the living God. That's the encounter we have as we leave this place knowing by faith we've been set free and cleansed, forgiven, restored, so that we can give glory to the God who is our Redeemer and our Deliverer. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God bless you. We are mindful, Father, this morning that the entrance of your word brings light, and through the light we are exposed. But through the light, Lord, we could experience life. I just praise and thank you for all who bow before you this morning. We pray for those who need to know and experience God as a God who delivers and who sets free lord you won't leave anybody out here this morning and i thank you for that because you died for each one before you today the well, father we invite them in your name this morning not to live anymore under the accusing finger of the devil under the weight of their own guilt and shame but to come and come and receive forgiveness and cleanse in the name of jesus we bow, Father, we thank you for those who want to be saved. You ask you to save them. For those who want to be set free from that which still binds them. I pray this morning that you do that. In Jesus' precious name. We bow in prayer. You say, I, I need to be saved by God's grace. I need to come and accept the salvation that God gave in Christ for me. I stand guilty before God. I'm helpless in my situation, but I need... The Savior, Jesus Christ. Why not you just quietly, God speaks to your heart, and you know you need salvation, God has revealed His need to you, that need to you. You just come this morning, raise your hand, say, Pastor, why don't you pray for me? I need to be saved by God's grace. God bless you. Anyone else this morning? Just raise your hand. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else today? This is the day the Lord has made. It's your day when he draws you close to him, reveals himself to you. Anybody else today? God bless you. Anyone else today? Three people here this morning. We need that salvation. We needed that cleansing. We know that forgiveness. To know that peace with God. Anybody else today? Quietly as I pray, I'm going to ask those three, just as God leads you, to leave your seat and come stand here by me. I want to pray with you this morning. Would you come? God bless you. God bless you. Praise be to There are those of you who bowed this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm still bound. I'm still bound. Stand here with me. God bless you. I'm still bound this morning in my flesh. There's still things in my life that into, i need to have put right before God. I want the prayer of deliverance over my life. Would you raise your hand? At least you.